0: Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Well, it's great to be back here this morning and uh, I want to be the first to congratulate Pastor Eden. It's so fantastic. Um, yeah, thank you for welcoming, welcoming us to this place. It really is good to be back here and uh, I enjoyed coming up here earlier this year and always enjoy coming along and of course we've got a great family connection here so it's fantastic and we feel that you're all family as well. So nice to be back here and thank you for the privilege. So thinking about uh, last weekend, of course it was only Easter last weekend and uh, it seems in some ways like a long time ago. It's like, oh no, it's back to work. (laughs) And uh, some of you I know, well I know, I've had a, a long break as well, but some of you probably managed to have Um, a decent break by just taking a couple of um, extra days, you could get quite a long, long break. And for us, it was a chance to get away. So, well, I think actually along with half of Perth, we went down south. It was really, really quite busy down there. Um, well, especially on the days where the weather was a bit better, because we experienced some hail and uh, cold and whatever. But that certainly didn't detract from what was a wonderful Easter break to go away with a family. And you might have been able to get away. You might have been able to have family celebration here at church, spend time, just doing something a little bit different. And that's what's great about Easter, of course, as we then remember the whole reason for Easter. Well, we managed to do that, and we actually had a special Easter message from a real um, authority on the subject. As we all sat down as a family, one delightful little two-year-old prophet decided to tell us what the Easter story was all about. And it really was quite fantastic. This is actually what he said. He says, Jesus go on cross. Yep, got that one right. Jesus put in cave and big tone. And translation that means Jesus was put in the cave with a big stone, and then Jesus alive again. <laughs> so here we have the gospel message in a nutshell, encapsulated by a rather delightful little character. Of course, the little prophet Malachi, our, our little grandson. So it was just gorgeous to to have him deliver that message. And so congratulations to all the people over in the, uh, the kids, um, kids Alive and also, of course, to Kindy Play where I'm sure he's learning all about Jesus and from his mum and dad as well. It's just fantastic to have that. So this message in a nutshell that was delivered by Malachi really is the crux of the Christian faith. Okay, That's the centre, that one, Jesus died on a cross, was buried and rose again. So our little grandson knew that well. And so for us, what does this work on the cross? Well, it enables us to have a right relationship with God, to be redeemed, which means brought back, to be restored. The cross and the resurrection represents victory, and we've already heard a little bit about that this morning, about victory. It also represents new life. That's a great thing to remember, new life and life to the full. So it sums up this message of hope that death isn't the end we can celebrate the victory of Jesus over evil, over sin and death. Well, what an experience then for that, on that first Sunday. I can't just imagine what it must have been like. What an experience for those first disciples. They, they, they'd shared. They'd been shattered. They saw Jesus' death on the cross. They'd witnessed it. The agony, the pain, the abandonment. They'd seen that death on the cross. So they were so disheartened that the one that they thought was the Messiah, the promised one who was going to sort of get them out of um, bondage and away from the Romans and whatever, thought that this Messiah was going to redeem Israel and be the leader and the king and go on. But they'd seen him die on a cross. And they'd seen him put into the cave. And the stone rolled across in front. But then the first news on that Easter Sunday started to filter through someone, well, not just someone, it was the women, went to the tomb. They found the stone had actually been moved. And they look inside, and there's no one there. Well, depending on which gospel you read, there were some there. There were messengers there who told them what had happened. So think about what the disciples must have felt when they get these first news stories back. They must have been on fire, celebrating, ecstatic, excited. Jesus wasn't left on the cross, wasn't left in the tomb. He was alive again. Man, what a way to celebrate. They must have been jumping up and down and thrilled. Uh not quite. Not quite at all. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. You see, they floundered. They really did. They weren't sure what had happened. So let's pick up the story with Luke's account in chapter 24 of um, his gospel. It says, The women who discovered that Jesus wasn't in the tomb came back to the eleven disciples and the others and told them what they first saw on that Easter morning. And it says that the disciples didn't believe the women. So I'll read. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Unbelievable, we think. Peter, we talk about impetuous Peter, he, however, got up and ran to the tomb. We would kind of expect him to do that, and so he did. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves and thought, Jesus is alive again, fantastic. Uh, No, he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And we kind of think, how was this? I mean, I, we, we look at it and we can kind of criticize, but it's wrong to do so. But we kind of think, how do they miss it? How did they miss the point? You know, Peter, it's, it's just unbelievable. Peter races off, sees the strips where Jesus had been wrapped in lying in a heap in the tomb, scratches his head and then thinks, uh, what happened here? Well, from John's gospel, we pick up on Thomas. And Thomas says, you know, when the others had told him, Look, Jesus is alive, he said, No, no, I won't believe it. Unless I see the wounds. Unless I can put the hand in his side where he'd been speared, I won't believe it. You know, and, and poor Tom well he says, Yeah, you know, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand in his side, I will not believe. You know, poor old Thomas, I actually feel sorry for Thomas. I, I really do do you know why it's because he's called Doubting Thomas you know fancy having that that nickname It's not, not a real good nickname we call him Doubting Thomas but you know what I really th- have sympathy for him because really isn't he just a normal believer it's okay to have doubts yet yeah, Jesus can handle that we can all have our doubts at times and we think what is going on and we can be like thomas doubting thomas i'd rather see him, normal believer thomas he had some doubts but jesus came along and he was open to him and he said thomas i am alive and he then went on with those immortal words you know blessed are those who though they don't see still believe that's why i like about thomas ah that's us we haven't seen what they experienced that first easter morning but yet, we believe. So that's where I think, let's just call Thomas normal believer Thomas. Anyway, I kind of digress. Okay, let's look at the guys on the, on the, the road to Emmaus. Now I say guys, there is some sort of conjecture, maybe that was husband and wife. We don't actually know who were the two close followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. So they're going along this road, they're downcast, they're dispirited, discouraged, but you know what? They actually knew that Jesus was alive or Jesus had gone from the tomb. They knew that. And yet they're wandering down the road. And it's probably a distance of about 11 k's, maybe a three-hour walk. And we don't really know why they were going to Emmaus because we don't hear much more about them except possible, there's a possible story in John's Gospel that maybe it's one and the same person. But we re- don't really know that. So for the moment, let's just treat them as two people, close followers of Jesus, one called Cleopas. They're walking down the road and they're discussing what had happened. So let's pick up the story. As they're coming along, Jesus, the risen Jesus, comes and joins them. And they're discussing all this stuff. And Jesus said, hey, what were you just talking about on the road? And they kind of look at him incredulously and say, are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't got an idea of what's just gone on? Because like, they didn't know who he was. So... As it says, they, they, they stood still. Their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who didn't know the things that have happened here in these last few days? What things? Said Jesus. Well, about Jesus and Nazareth, Nazareth they replied. And then later on, you know, he, Jesus goes right through the Old Testament scriptures. He explains who he is, what had to happen to the Messiah. And it was only when they finally invited him into the house in in Emmaus and said, come and eat with us. And Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and blesses it. And then they, like the, the penny drops and they realize who this person is that they've been talking to. It's kind of incredible, but I love what it says. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And of course, as soon as they did, he disappeared. But their eyes were opened. And now you can probably pick why I've talked about from going from confusion to clarity. Because the disciples were confused about what had happened. They were not ecstatic on that first morning. They... they just had no idea what had happened even though jesus had explained many times i mean if you read through mark's gospel mark's gospel you actually see the growing um, amount of opposition you can see the number of times that jesus actually explains this is what's going to happen but it's like they didn't want to believe that at all and then when it finally did happen it threw them into a real confusion but thankfully they didn't stay there You know, Jesus' own disciples, they'd spent so much time with him. They'd been in ministry with him. They'd seen miracles, you know, feeding the 5,000, water into wine. So many things that they'd seen and experienced. And and Jesus then had taught them. They knew the message, knew what was going on, knew what happened. But then they became confused and lost their focus. Well, it's a little like us too. Just like I don't criticize Doubting Thomas. Okay, he's like a normal believer like us. Well, think about us being like the disciples too, because we too can be thrown into confusion. Work study, work, studies, family responsibilities, global happenings like this dreadful situation that's happened in Sri Lanka. And then before that, the situation in Christchurch. You know, we can um, just get so confused by the events of the world. How can a God who is sovereign allow things like that to happen? We can also be like the the little mouse on the on the what do they call that treadmill spinning around furious activity but actually no progress. That's what we can be like. We can we be like the, the duck that's swimming along on the water, all looking pretty cool, but underneath their little legs are paddling furiously to get, a, get around. So what we can feel like it's groundhog day, each and every day. Same thing. That's what we can be like. We too can lose our clarity. However, then we need to move to the good news. Of course, the disciples didn't stay there. They did manage to get back on track. Okay, they moved beyond their state of confusion and disbelief and helped build the early church. I mean, I've dug a lot into to Acts over these last few weeks as I've, I've thought about the message. It's fantastic to read. If you want a great um, kick-up for your own faith, just grab Acts and have a read-through and see what happened. Fantastic stuff. So they got back on track. And so can we. We can go from clarity to confusion. Uh, sorry, the other way around. Now, I'm becoming confused. <laughs> we can go like that too. <laughs> but it's far better if we go from confusion to clarity. <laughs> so I just want to bring four things to you, and I hope I've got enough time, but pardon me, four things that I want to bring to you this morning from what the Easter message is all about. Well, first of all, we kind of alluded to it a few times already, that Jesus brings victory. Pastor Nicole mentioned this already that Jesus can bring victory over whatever um, situation we're finding ourselves in. Whether it's over our everyday struggles, over mind matters, relational issues, relational stuff that's going on in families, um, relational stuff that might be going on with friends, Jesus can bring us the victory. Through Christ's death and resurrection, we have the victory over everything that the world can throw at us. Absolutely everything. And it sounds almost like a cliche, not quite believable when we look at all the confusing things that are going on around in the world and in our region in our country our state and even in our families in our city but even closely like right here amongst us things can be confusing and yet john says in 1 john verse 5 in fact this is love for god to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of god overcomes the world This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So we can have the absolute victory. So John is saying, if you believe, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the power to overcome the world. You can lead a victorious life. Christ has given us the victory. We need to believe it, need to be reminded of it, And we need to act upon it. So we are victorious. That's just a given. We are. And so we need to believe it and put it into practice. Sure, I know the responsibilities, the realities of life. They can drag us down. They can take us off the podium. Yeah, people can drag us down. They can knock us. They can criticize us. They can discourage us. And we might not live up to even our own expectations of what we'd like to be. Or there could be a struggle to make ends meet or distractions that come up from being totally connected in our world. And it's difficult to be out of range and to be out of contact and so easy to lose heart. So then how do we climb back up onto the podium? How do we break through? How do we become freed of any unhealthy, unhealthy habits that we might have? Well, here's the cool thing. In many senses, we can't do it on our own. But we have someone who helps us to do that the same person, in, um, if you want to read in Ephesians chapter 2, you know, Jesus is the one that brings new life. He is the one that has saved us by grace. And he is the one, through him, we receive the victory. So it's not our own work, it's Jesus working through us and for us. Now I'm going to skip over Psalm 1, but if you want to really look at how to read, uh, how to live a victorious life, just read the first three verses of Psalm 1 it will help you to think, okay, what does it mean? How can I be victorious in my life? Just very quickly, in verse one, don't get sucked in by the world. That's number one, don't get sucked in by the world and you'll be able to live the victorious life. Verse two, delight in God's word. Absolutely take delight in God's word. You know, have it infuse your life like if we think about a casserole or a a, a curry, the, the, the spices kind of really infuse the whole, the whole um, of the, the meal. And we get that flavor, and that's really what I think God's word wants to do in us, to infuse everything that we do, to delight in God's word, meditate upon it. And then verse 3, have roots that go down deep. Often when you think about a tree, we see the beautiful tree above the ground. But the tree above the ground is not beautiful unless there's great roots providing all the nourishment that it needs so we need to have roots that grow down really well and then produce the fruit that um, paul talks about the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience and so on and just before the service um veronica sent me a text with a friend of ours who sadly went through some really really difficult times and um, i'm just going to read it out to you because this one talks about the victory that she had. This is a good friend of ours who was part of a connect group um, many years ago and um, sadly she had a, a brain tumor and it was a benign brain tumor but it did affect her quite deeply and this is what she says. It's a little bit of a long quote and I'll try and be quick but this really talks about the victory that she's had. She says, sometimes life takes things from us. No amount of fighting, crying or praying seems to stop the crushing loss that comes and sometimes things in life leave us feeling very beaten and broken inside. We get up, we keep moving, we function, we even live again. But loss is there like an empty hole, aching deep inside of us. Today I reclaimed something I lost. My brain tumour stole my balance. I fought, I cried, I prayed. And finally, I accepted loss and just moved on. Struggling, but I moved on. But recently I decided I just don't want to be this way. So I picked up the battle and I fought some more and I overcame. I pulled back something that was lost and I'm not letting go again. Tonight, she shares, this is our friend Heather, tonight I walked four kilometres on uneven ground, half of it in dim twilight light. I sat and enjoyed a sunset watching the last shades of red and gold kiss the sky without feeling afraid of not being able to balance enough to walk back. I walked enjoying the beauty, feeling the breeze and listening to birds. Not watching every step as I struggle to keep balance. Just because you don't win the battle today doesn't mean that it has defeated you. That aching, painful loss in this moment won't define or control you forever. Yes, live in the moment. Take a breath, rest, but don't give up. Pick up your battle again and fight. And then she finishes. You were made to overcome. And that's the victory. So So I think it's just fantastic. As Nicole mentioned before, we need to stand in the victory that we have. So Jesus brought victory. He also brought restoration. And the, the, the passage from Psalm 23 is one that I just love. In the Amplified Bible, it reads, He refreshes and restores my soul. I think as I get older, that whole idea of restoration kind of really resonates with me. Um, yes, I think I could be restored, and uh, that would be cool. And just yesterday, um, we loved to drive with my father-in-law, and we go and pick him up. He's 93, and he loves the West Coast Drive. And we go along there, and we, we often park, and we have our coffee beside the, um, beside the ocean. We go for a walk, and we just sit and watch and see what's going on. And yesterday, of course, being a lovely sunny day, we saw so many of the old hot rod kind of cars and souped up cars going past. Now talk about restoration. These cars, which were kind of old and maybe not very good, were certainly much better than new because you could see them and hear them as they came past. Cars and motorbikes, and, and we were keeping on watching them. Even uh, for the four wheel drivers, it was a Toyota Land Cruiser. that I certainly must have been a lot better than brand new because I had an engine in there that uh, I think would pull tree stumps out. It sounded pretty mean. So these are things that have been restored, and yet Jesus, like these, well, I don't want to don't draw the analogy too far, but Jesus restores us to being better than new. And that's what I wanted to bring through. Um, He restores ourselves, he restores community, he restores the world, and that's something that I think is absolutely fantastic. So we can be clear about that, not confused about this dimension. Jesus does restore us to better than new. And a lovely word that I love from the Bible, he brings reconciliation. If we think about the cross, if we just looked at the the cross, it was just a vertical um, pole, Well, that's all it would be. It's just a stick, just a pole. But of course, we know the cross had the, the horizontal beam. So if you think about the cross, one way I'd like to look at it is the vertical. Jesus actually restores our relationship with God. The horizontal, there's an outworking. He restores our relationship with each other. And I, I was watching a, a YouTube clip of a, a black pastor pe- preaching to a largely white audience and it was really quite interesting, he talked about the whole the, the church history in America and how even then, going back years ago, some churches were segregated with a wall down the middle so that people, whether they were of colour on one side and white on the other side. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, how could that be? I look at the, the Gospel and I see that Christ brings unity, not disunity. I see this dividing wall and it actually talks about the dividing wall has been torn down that jesus brings reconciliation that's what the cross is all about and if you look about the early disciples and dig into acts for this one the the people where they were all scattered after stephen was um was killed martyred the disciples scattered and they went off to all these different places one of which was antioch a very very important city at the time and now it's actually within the borders of turkey but very close to the syrian border but in that, in that church at Antioch, they started preaching the news to non-Jews as well as Jews. And it says that the believers there were worshipping together. We're talking about Greeks. They'll be described as Greeks or Gentiles or non, basically non-Jews. And if you think about the gospel message, that message is for everyone. And so the wonderful thing that happened at Antioch, of course, is from there we get our name, Christ Ones. Christians, look up at Acts 11 later on and you can have a look at that. Just a fantastic message that, about reconciliation, that Jesus brings a right relationship between us and God and a relationship between each other. Reconciliation means former friends become enemies and become friends again. And the fantastic thing from Paul's uh, message in Corinthians is that we have been given this message of reconciliation we don't keep it to ourselves. We become ambassadors. In other words, we try and represent in a good way our, life, our new life in Christ to others. And we have this ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where in verse 20, Paul says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that's because we have this dual citizenship we're ambassadors not just for australia we're ambassadors for god's kingdom be reconciled to god and so then to the final point jesus brings hope that's the central message well it's one of the central messages to me of, of, of the of the easter story that we have hope for the future this is not the end you know, the confusion at the end of, at the first resurrection was not the end. They moved to clarity. They had hope for the future. And just as an illustration of hope, I, I remember watching on um, I think it was 60 Minutes or Sunday Night, one of those programs, the story about the guy. Um, his name was Brett 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 Archibald, a surfer who fell off the back of a boat up in um, near Indonesia. And as he fell off, he'd been sick, violently ill, and he actually just fell overboard. But it was in the middle of the night, it was about two o'clock in the morning. And so suddenly he was watching the boat disappear, and has anyone seen the story? Oh, okay. He sees the, the boat disappear. He does some maths and realizes they won't probably find that I'm missing for about another seven hours before they turn around. So I've got 14 hours I need to stay afloat and hope that they find me. And so with that hope that he would be found, he starts swimming, treading water. He apparently even started reciting mobile phone numbers, singing Elton John songs, that anything to keep him going. And he had this hope as well, as I saw another caption, the hope of seeing his family, his wife and his two children again. He kept going. Well, the boat did come back and did get close to him, but they didn't see him and they turned around. And so at that point, and with a shark sort of nudging him as well, he kind of lost hope. And he decided, "I can't go on." And he kind of dived down, he took a big gulp of seawater, and then he, thankfully, he started choking on it, so he came back up to the surface. So he, he'd kind of lost hope for a minute, but he'd been all along, he'd been hopeful of being rescued. Well there was an Aussie guy that has to step into the the situation, his name is um, Tony Eldrington, they call him Doris, I can't remember why, but his name was Doris. And so Doris comes up in his boat because he had the hope of trying to find him. He, He was a surfer himself and he ran his own surf charter company. And so Doris comes along in his boat and lo and behold, of course, the good news, he found him. If you think about a needle in a haystack, this is the incredible story of a needle in a haystack that thankfully the hope that Doris had, Tony Eldrington, that he might find this uh, missing surfer, um, was fulfilled. And so that to me is a real picture of hope, that we don't lose hope, we don't lose perspective on where our life is going. As Paul wrote in Romans, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of Of the Holy Spirit so we can be clear not confused about what Jesus brought us on that first Easter through the cross we have hope as Paul prayed may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and of course that hope comes from the Spirit working in our lives so to wrap this up you know, we might drift into confusion when we look around at our world. It's, it's only natural to see that. You know, we can be like Thomas. We can look at our country, our state, our community, our workplace, our family. And we can become confused. But we can move on to clarity when we see just some of the elements that Jesus' death on the cross brought to us. The victory over our present trials and circumstances. The restoration back to better than new. As we experience the fullness of our relationship with God, the reconciliation that comes through the cross, the pathways enable for us to be reconciled with God, the vertical, and with each other, the horizontal, and then finally to the hope that we have. You know, we will go through difficulties in life. That's that's one of the Christians are not exempt from pain and suffering. We will go through difficulties in life. However. We know through the message of Easter that those difficulties are not the end. We don't need to be confused. We can move on to clarity knowing what Jesus has brought us. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.